So thou, O son of man, I have set thee a watchman unto the house of Israel. Therefore, thou shalt hear the word of my mouth and warn them from me. Have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. Coming to you from an undisclosed location in Middle Tennessee and examining current events from a biblical perspective, this is Bible News Radio with your hosts, Randall and Stacy Harp. Yeah, it is. Hello, people. On a Sunday evening, looking back over all the years and where I've been. This is Morgan Harper Nichols, people. Can you turn it up a little bit for me? You were right there. And you have been ever since. With every page you were there all along that's the story I'll tell you brought the pieces together yep he did made me the storyteller hello people now I know it is well it is well that's the story I'll there were some nights that don't lie. They would last forever. But you kept me breathing. You were with me right there. And all that you have done for me, I can never hold it in. So here's to me telling this story over and over again. The valley where I fell You were there all along That's the story I'll tell You brought the pieces together Made me the storyteller Now I know it is well I am a storyteller, yeah I am That's the story I'll tell That's the story you hold the broken you heal my every cry every cry my eyes are open I know that it is well it is well Story of tell. 
the story I tell. All right, that's our opening song, people. Yeah, it is. And that is Morgan Harper Nichols. I love her music. I think I actually like her music. Don't tell Jamie this, but I think I like Morgan's music a little bit better. Her songs are more, um, I don't know what the right word is, but I, I, they, they have more of a, a deeper meaning to them, I guess. And, and she's such a young person. She's like young enough to be my kid, which, you know, just saying, if you're under 35, you're young. <laughs> anyway, I, uh, uh, want to welcome you guys to the show tonight. What we're going to do tonight is we're going to look at a couple of stories that have to do with Islam, Christian persecution, Mike Pence, um, and I think we have a story about a UFO. I don't think I shared that one with you, though, first. Uh, so we're going to talk about that tonight. I hope that you uh, can take a minute to, to share this out on whatever platform you're on. I really appreciate that. And, um, and also, if you have not yet joined our text message list, uh, then I encourage you to do that. Just text Bible News, you know, the term Bible News to 33222. Just watch the scroller, the, the ticker down there. It will show up if you, if you, if you forgot what I said. Um, and then you can just do that. Or if you don't want to do that directly, go ahead and just send me a private message with your phone number. I can add you on the list. So you will get notified of, um, right before the show comes on, um, maybe a couple hours before the show comes on. And um, during the week, when we're doing our daily disciple uh, Bible studies, then you'll also get notified of when I update the Facebook group, our daily disciples Facebook group. So if you haven't been in the, the Facebook group, uh, this week we read the book of Ruth and the book of Jonah. And tomorrow I will announce what, what book we'll read together next week. We've been doing this for a couple of weeks now. I think it's starting to finally catch on. Some of you are saying, hey, I'm reading along with you. Um, and, you know, all I'm doing is sharing a little bit of, uh, you know, a few thoughts from what I'm reading in the book. So um, it's just it's just to get you reading the Word of God every day um, and to, you know, to, to make you guys, you know, think about what God's Word says because you know what? You're flooded by a million other things that most of them have nothing to do with God's word. Just so you know. Okay. The other thing is, um, tomorrow, how many of you, I'm curious, by a raise of hands or a comment in the thingy, how many of you actually are going back to church tomorrow in person? Um, my church is opening up, but we're opening up under the COVID restrictions, you know, the COVID-19 state rules. Um, church is going to do it at 50% capacity. Uh, you can only use the bathroom if it's an emergency. And if you do, you have to spray everything down after the fact it's recommended you wear a mask. Uh, you can't touch or hug anybody. Um, so there's this part, there's this little part of me that's like, why go? What's the point of going in person? <laughs> it's like, you can't hug anybody. You can barely breathe the same air as the other people in the same room as you. Um, but anyway, so I'm curious. Are you guys planning on going back to church? Let's see here. Um, uh, maybe. Okay, so maybe you are. Hi, Marlene. Hi, Annie. Um, let's see. Uh, all right, then. 
I don't know if anybody is over on Facebook. I know that I ha we're live on Facebook. I don't know if anybody's on Twitch or YouTube. Let's see here. I'm going to try to see if anybody said anything. Oh, on Facebook, I don't know if you're watching unless you say something. Of course, I see Phyllis there. Unless you're a friend of mine, then I can, I can see that. But um, all that. So, all right. Okay, well, let's see if anybody's on YouTube too. I know in real radio or live streaming, you don't really care. You're just like, whatever. You're talking to people. But I like to interact with people, you know. I like to see what people are thinking. By the way, if you haven't subscribed to my YouTube channel, I'd really like to get to a thousand followers because, you know, then we can start to monetize that. Right now we're at 436,000 or 436, no, 436, yeah, subscribers. Almost, you know, half a, half a, almost 500. We're getting close. All right, so anyway, so we're going to go ahead and we're going to start this show out talking about the article, um, Who is Truly Terrorized, America's Blacks or Islam's Christians? I didn't write this article. I'm just going to read it. Uh, it's from Raymond Ibrahim, and um, it's on the AmericanThinker.com website. It's kind of lengthy, but I think it's important because um, these, I think what he has to say is important. And um, I think we all need to, to listen to what he had to say. So it says this. Two themes permeate much of the discourse surrounding ongoing riots. The racism in America, particularly against blacks, is a, quote, systematic, unquote. And that any show of force against the, quote, pressed protesters, unquote, many of whom are simply criminals, looters, and thugs out to capitalize on tragedy, is more proof of America's ingrained racism and intolerance. Wonderfully encapsulating these two points is Representative Ilhan Omar, who's a Democrat, Minnesota. In a recent interview, she asserted, she asserted that we are living in a country that has truly for a long time brutalized African Americans from slavery to lynching to Jim Crow to mass incarceration and now to police brutality. As for the rioters, they were, quote, as for the rioters, they, quote, were terrorized, unquote, Omar claims, by the presence of tanks, by the presence of the National Guard and the militarized police. My dog is over there making a fuss. That's why I'm looking down there, just in case you're wondering. <laughs> Let's respond to these two charges of, quote, brutalization and, quote, terrorization by the way of analogy say by looking at how minorities are treated, including vis-a-vis -vis tanks in nation where Omar's religion permeates, which is to say in Muslim nations. Egypt is a perfect example as its non-Muslim minority, the Christian cops, make for about the same percentage of the general population that blacks do in America, which is about 15%. Back in 2011, and due to nonstop attacks on their churches, whether from local authorities that demolished unlicensed churches or from Muslim mobs that burned down recognized ones, Egypt's Christians held a demonstration in Maspero. By any stretch of the imagination, and especially compared to what's happening now in the U.S., their protest was orderly and peaceful. It was, after all, actually about ending discrimination against Christians and their churches not capitalizing against weak leaders. 
The Egyptian government responded by initiating what came to be known as the Maspero Massacre. It sent out troops, including snipers and tanks, against the peaceful demonstrators. In the end, dozens of Christians were murdered in cold blood, many by being intentionally run over and mangled by tanks. Hundreds were wounded. All the Obama White House did at the time is call for restraint on all sides as if Egypt's unarmed Christian minority needed to restrain itself against the nation's military. The Maspero Massacre is just the tip of the iceberg for Egypt's Christians who openly experienced discrimination and persecution in a myriad of ways, from not getting the best or administrative jobs to getting killed by fellow policemen and soldiers for being infidels. Only spectacular terrorist attacks such as the bombing of their churches and killing of dozens of Christians ever get noticed by the mainstream media. None of this is surprising, considering that Egypt's constitution in Article 2 makes it clear that Islam is the religion of the state and that Islamic Sharia, which is inherently discriminatory, if not downright hostile to non-Muslims, is the main source of legislation. By the way, I will say, without just as a addendum commentary, in case you didn't know, um, the few Muslims that have been voted into our Congress um, have already penned Sharia law into some states' laws here in America, just so you know. The article continues, the plight of Egypt's cops is representative of the plight of all Christians throughout the Muslim world, where both discrimination and outright persecution are systemic, not to mention endemic. If you doubt this, see my piece called Muslim Persecution of Christians series and witness the nonstop discrimination, persecution, and carnage committed quite often in the name of Islam by, quote, everyday Muslims, including their governments against Christians. Each monthly report, there are currently well over a hundred, stretching back to July 2011, contains a dozen or so atrocities, most of which, if committed by Christians against Muslims, would receive 24-7 blanket coverage. Despite all this, despite the fact that 38 of the 50 nations that persecute and terrorize as many as 260 million Christians are Islamic, curiously, no Muslim has begun a Christian Lives Matter movement. Indeed, and to return to Ilhan Omar, her Islamic homeland of Somalia is widely considered the third worst nation in the entire world in its horrific and ideologically driven butchery of Christians. Egypt, in, in comparison, is ranked number 16. Yet instead of using her prominent position as a member of, member of Congress to draw attention to and help the non-Muslims of Somalia, she is busy projecting what her homeland does to its minorities into America. Meanwhile, it's only because the U.S. Constitution does not base freedom and equality on race or religion that Omar, a Muslim woman from Africa, could become a member of Congress in the first place. It's also why countless other blacks and non-white minorities come to and have achieved great success in social mobility in America. Here, everyone stands equal before the law. Does that mean that American society is perfect? That there is no racism or discrimination whatsoever? Of course not. No nation because no individual human is perfect. That said, things don't get much, don't get a whole lot better than this. They only get worse potentially much, much worse. 
In today's climate of political correctness and economic uncertainty, ad revenue only goes so far to keep an independent voice like AmericanThinker.com going. Oh, that's their ad. That's their ad, yeah. That's Well, anyway, so if you like reporting like this, go to BibleNewsRadio.com, people, and donate over there. <laughs> so, I mean, I think it makes a great point. Randall, what do you think? Kind of, you know. Okay, there was more to the article, but... Really? That's the end of it for me. Oh. Well, okay. Do you want to read the rest? Because I can't see any more of it. It's... I can. Okay, go ahead. Uh, two themes permeate much of the discourse surrounding ongoing riots. That racism in America, particularly against blacks, is systemic. I already and... read that. You sure? Yep. Hmm... Okay, well, go ahead, read it. Uh, you, you're right. Okay, this is it duplicated here. Okay, never mind. Yeah, I think I read that, yeah. Yeah, it's, just, it's on the, in the reader view, it gets messed up. Yeah. It's the sections that are repeated. Never mind. So what do I think? What do you think, Bareface? <laughs> I think that... Um, I think you're super cute. That's what I think. Thank you. You're welcome. Well, hey, Forrest. I see you over there on YouTube. I do think that um, there's a problem with the uh, getting just the RSS feed on the article and that sections of it are replicated. Um, you know, I'm glad that he put in there that, you know, is America perfect? No. Um, is, you know, does that mean there is no racism? No, there definitely is. I mean, that's certainly is part fabric of this nation, whatever. Um, I mean, we see it here in the South, you know, their pockets and, um, yeah. And it's not to, and I don't think that the author's aim is to excuse any, you know, mistreatment of anyone, but, uh, you know, the, for, for representative Omar, uh, to kind of paint this picture of how terrible things are here when she herself comes from Somalia is a little disingenuous. Like, uh, you know, Raymond Ibrahim says that right. um, that it doesn't get much better than we have in the U.S. It gets worse. You know, it gets worse, a lot worse. Well, if they protest this way in other countries, they get killed. Right. Often. So... Right. The very fact that you could do this in America is, yeah. Yeah. But I think I think I think one of the big points about this article is that Christian persecution, which nobody seems to care about a whole lot in America, um, is kind of the underlying thing. It doesn't matter who it comes from. If it's against Christians, the media like totally wipes it out. And Randall and I covered this couple a number of years back you know there's a ministry called jubilee campaign and um emmanuel ogebi and um somebody else i can't think of her name at the moment because the menopause people it's menopause brain me and bareface talked about that last night after the show um, but anyway um but emmanuel ogebi um from jubilee campaign he's one of the things he came from nigeria and he actually was telling us that in one day, 700 Christian churches were burned down in Nigeria. 
and nobody in the in the media covered it. Let me guess. Unless you listen to this show, you probably didn't hear that, right? This happened a number of years ago. 700 churches burned down in one day in Nigeria and nobody wants to say anything about it in the media? Why? If it was 700 mosques that were burned down in one day, don't you think it would be on 24-7 for a month? Of course you do, because that's exactly what would happen. Um, so, meanwhile, we have uh, this other article. A uh, Christian woman killed, raped in Nigerian church while studying, the family says. So this was just published today. Um, and this is unfortunate because this this is, uh, I got this over at the Christian Post, I believe it was. Yes. So this type of thing happens every day in other nations. So it says here, a 22-year-old Nigerian Christian woman or student was raped and killed while she was in her church studying last Wednesday. Uh, Uwalia Vera Omozuwa, I'm sure I butchered that name, but I tried. A University of Benin microbiology student died last Saturday, two days after she was attacked inside the redeemed Christian Church of God in Benin City, the capital of the Edo state in the southern Nigeria. Amozuwa, a member of the church's choir, was found half-naked, lying in a pool of blood by a security guard, family members told media outlets. She wanted to be a minister and preach the word of God. Her sister Judith told CNN, explaining that the church was her favorite place to be, that she was murdered where she always found peace. It's just devastating. Police have arrested one suspect believed to be connected to uh, her murder. At Edo Police Command spokesperson Chidi somebody told Nigerian media that the suspect was detained after the fingerprints found on the fire extinguisher she was attacked with were analyzed. The item used in the assault was a fire extinguisher was recovered immediately. The operatives who were with some specialists screened the fingerprints, which led to our suspect. Um, around the place of the incident, the suspect was arrested. RCCG General Overseer Pastor Enoch said in a statement released on social media that the denomination worked with authorities to ensure they bring the perpetrators to book. RCCG is one of the largest Christian denominations in Nigeria. I and members of my family condemn this act strongly and urge everyone to stay calm as we are already looking into the matter and cooperating with the police to establish the facts of the shocking incident. Reports of the woman's murder have sparked the hashtag trend justice for Uwa, and that's U-W-A. Her death has sparked a national outcry. Throughout Nigeria, many women and girls have been kidnapped, raped, and killed by various actors, including Islamic militants, radical herdsmen, and criminal gangs. Women and girls also suffer from acts of sexual abuse and domestic violence. The UN Children's Fund found in 2014 that about one in four girls have been victims of sexual violence in Nigeria. I, would, I, I think it's probably higher than that. <clears throat> Osei... Somebody, the director of Amnesty International in Nigeria, told The Guardian that Amazuwa's case has garnered so much attention because even in the spaces that women and girls should be the safest from gender-based violence, the home, the schools, and now places of worship, it's getting there. While family members said medics told them 
that Omozuma was raped. CNN reports that authorities in Nigeria have not yet have not yet ruled the incident as rape, but are instead describing it describing it as an inhumane sexual assault. Okay, whatever. It shows how police are unwilling to even investigate rape cases and will rather probe murder allegations. Both are heinous crimes and none should be dismissed for the other. Christians are frequently killed in Nigeria by different factions. Omozuwa's death came less than a week before the murders of the Reverend Emmanuel Bileya and his wife Juliana in the Terab state of Nigeria on Monday while on their farm. By the way, <clears throat> there's more articles over on ChristianPost.com about both of these incidences. Billy Yeya, a pastor with the Christian Reformed Church in the Donga local government area, studied at Calvin Seminary in Michigan and was in the final stages of a doctoral program at Robert E. Weber Institute of Worship Studies in Jacksonville, Florida. <clears throat> a recent estimate from the non-governmental organization International Society for Civil Liberty and Rule of Law suggests that over 620 Christians have been killed in Nigeria so far in 2020, while thousands have been killed in recent years. Nigeria was added to the U.S. State Department's special watch list of countries that engage in or tolerate severe violations of religious freedom for the first time since last December, and it's ranked as 12th, as the 12th worst country in the world for Christian persecution by Open Doors USA. So let's see here. I'm going to pull up my calculator here because I'm not good in math. So let's see here. It's June. So it's the sixth month, right? So Over 100 a month. So yeah, 620 divided by six. And we're just at the beginning of this month. Right. So 620, let's say, divided by five. That's 124 murders a month, at least, on average. <clears throat> 124 Christians murdered a month. Give or take, you know, maybe there was more some other months. But so 124 Christians murdered a month on average in Nigeria. Don't you think that there should be like a hashtag that says something like all Nigerian lives matter or all Christians in Nigerian lives matter? Um, you know what I mean? Because they're, they're definitely targeting Christians uh, in Nigeria. Nigeria is one of the worst places to live for Christians because, because of that. Um, and yet you don't hear about most of this on, you don't hear about this on the media. That's why I'm bringing it up. All right. Let's see here. If we have any other commentary that we can make. All right. Well, you know, it is the bottom of the hour and I want to share with you, um, a new sponsor that we have for this this um this month are you ready with that yes okay so um we're going to take a little bit of time to do that since it's the bottom of the hour and then we'll go ahead and we will do some other stuff too so i'm gonna let you go ahead and play that hello everyone i'm connie semi i'm an independent consultant with arbonne international just wanted to take a minute to share with you about our amazing products. We have vegan certified shakes. Our skincare is really clean and so is our makeup. We also have non-toxic products for your babies. So check out my website, ConnieSemi.com for more information and how to get a hold of me.
go ahead and check that out if you'd like to to learn more about uh, Connie's products that she is offering to Bible News Radio listeners. All right. Okay. Also, don't forget, uh, we are here to serve you. And in the event that you like what we do, we would ask that you donate to the show. You can do that over at BibleNewsRadio.com forward slash give. Um, any donation you give is, is great because it will help us meet some of our expenses um, that we have to do the show. And also, let me tell you, too, if you haven't got your will done yet um, or you want to get your identity theft protection through us, I um, highly encourage you to at least get in touch with me so we can talk about what your needs are. Um, if you don't have a will done or, or, an, or an advanced directives, you know, your living power of attorney and all that, your health care directives, you really need to get it done. Um, you, just, you just do. I mean, you need to get it done because you want your family to be happy that you didn't leave them a complete mess after you're gone. <laughs> I'm, I don't know how to say it any nicer. You know, I wish somebody had told me 30 years ago when I was in my 20s that I need to get this done. Uh, so just get in touch with me if you're interested in doing that. Uh, also, if you're into essential oils, sparknaturals.com, you can go there. Check out sparknaturals.com. I love them. I actually have a their hand, their new spray hand, hand sanitizer. This is a uh, citrus, and they also have this one. This is a uh, shield. Shield is smells nicer than citrus, in my opinion. Um, but you can go there. You can get hand sanitizer there. You can get essential oil. You can get like some of these little salves here. Like this is the sample pack, actually. But if you use John three sixteen, my coupon code, you save ten percent on top of whatever your cost is and I highly encourage you um, to look for the sales and you can use the coupon code on top of the sale price as well so go to sparknaturals.com remember John 316 not only does it save you <laughs> but also you save money too yeah you do all right so that is that also um, let's look at this other article here um, Mike Pence meets with black faith leaders and says the church is the right place to address George Floyd's death. Um, you know, Mike Pence gets a lot of flack from the left. Um, they don't like him. They don't like him for a couple of reasons. They don't like him, number one, because he's pro-life. And number two, they don't like him because he stands for marriage as one man and one woman. Um, and, um, and he is a committed, you know, he's a committed husband um, his, his wife, Karen is very, uh, popular in the pro-life movement. Um, and what I can tell you is that, you know, I think we got, I think we got some good leadership here, even though people like to vilify, which is, you know, it's really sad. But anyway, I'm going to read you the article here. This is also on the Christian Post website. You can go check it out. Vice President Mike Pence joined Bishop Harry Jackson for a listening session with community and faith leaders on Friday where he said the church is the right place to address the nation's response to the death of George Floyd and the protests over racism that followed. I couldn't help but feel that as our nation reels from the tragic death of George Floyd that a place to start a conversation is a place of worship, Pence said at the listening session held at Hope Christian Church in Beltsville, Maryland, where Jackson is senior pastor. It is the wellspring of our nation's strength, 
Pence continued speaking to a select group of black and minority leaders representing churches, businesses, educational institutions, and nonprofit organizations. It's been the wellspring of our national unity and our steady march toward a a more perfect union. Floyd, a 46-year-old black man, died on May 25th while he was handcuffed and on the ground restrained by three officers in Minneapolis. A cell phone video taken at the scene showed former police officer Derek Chauvin kneeling on Floyd's neck for several minutes as other officers held on to his back and feet. Floyd had refused to get into the squad car, stiffened up, fell to the ground, and told the officers he was claustrophobic, according to details in a criminal complaint against Chauvin. I hope I'm saying that guy's name right. That's I don't the want... way other people are saying it. Okay, good. Because I don't watch the news, so I have no idea. Okay. Officer Thomas Lane had asked Chauvin whether they should roll Floyd on his side after he said he was struggling to breathe. The final time Lane asked that question concerned Floyd was experiencing excited delirium from intoxicants. Floyd was already unresponsive and had stopped moving. Floyd, who had moved to Minnesota to start a new life following a felony conviction for aggravated robbery with a deadly weapon in Texas, was arrested on Memorial Day for allegedly using a counterfeit $20 bill at Cup Foods convenience store to purchase cigarettes. The clerk had called 911 to report the crime and said Floyd was intoxicated. Nationwide, people came together in agreement that Officer Chauvin had used excessive force and that his actions led to Floyd's death. His death was almost prophetic and symbolic of a time and season that change had to come, Jackson said at the event with Pence. Black and whites came together to address the civil rights movement and we found momentum. I think we will similarly find momentum during this time. Jackson added, it's not just George Floyd's death alone. His death is representative of nearly a 400-year history of challenges we've had. This administration didn't create this problem but it has the opportunity to help us heal. At the session, joined also by Executive Director of the White House Opportunity and Revitalization Council, Scott Turner, Pence said, it will not be enough for us to just heal our economy. We have to heal that which divides by breaking down the barriers to opportunity for African Americans and any American that's been left behind. So I'm anxious to gain your insights. Protests that erupted in Minneapolis and St. Paul two days after Floyd's death later spread to several other cities, including Memphis, Los Angeles, St. Louis, Atlanta, Dallas, Detroit, New York City, and Washington, D.C., among among many others. While some demonstrators remained peaceful, others resorted to violence, including looting businesses and burning cars and buildings. It's clear that those images shocked the conscience of a nation, Pence said. We have no tolerance for violence against an individual in this country or tolerance for police brutality and no tolerance for rioting in the streets or looting and destruction of property or the claiming the innocent lives, including the lives of law enforcement. The vice president expressed support for the right to peacefully protest and explained that forces were mobilized to make space for peaceful demonstrations. My prayer is that we as a nation have ears to hear, to listen to one another, and open hearts, he added. Jackson said that the United States is a diverse nation and every American needs to feel loved and accepted. He said it requires all three sectors of our country, government, business, and church, to unite together in doing so. Minorities need to hear that they are valued and that the lives of people really matter, he said. 
A select group also offered personal reflections of their own experience as minority leaders, fathers, educators, business owners, and citizens, as well as insight into a way forward, according to a statement by Hope Christian Church. The recommendations that came out of the event included ensuring that black youth feel heard and acknowledged. Leaders of faith use their platforms to address race, funding, and resources for historically black colleges and universities to increase tackling criminal justice reform and providing more practical hands-on training, evaluation, and accountability for police officers. And if I was there, you know what I would have said? I would have talked about, how about we talk about the breakdown of the family, especially in the black community. I mean, it's all over. Look, hey, I came from, my mom was married three times. My dad was married four. Okay. So the breakdown of my, my, my background is huge. But it's not it's a well known fact that the breakdown in the black community in the in the traditional family there's no there's not a lot of fathers, they're all gone, and a lot of the young men end up in jail committing crimes and all that. Even Bill Cosby, the scumbag that he ended up being, called that out. So you have the breakdown of the family, which frankly I think is the church's fault. In many ways, because the church is supposed to be teaching people how to rear their families in a godly way. If you're raising godly families, then you're not going to have all of the issues. And it begins, and I hate this. I'm going to say this and don't be mad at me. Or you can if you want. But it begins with abstinence, people. Because the other area, and, and this is just, you know... You want to talk about racism? Let's talk about Planned Parenthood and Margaret Sanger and how Margaret Sanger's whole goal was to wipe out the black population because of her evilness, right? And so you got the breakdown in the family in that community and you have fatherless people and then you have um, the, the young ladies who are getting pregnant and then killing their black babies and yet, there's not a big, huge outcry against Planned Parenthood, right? But those of us who keep trying to point out the history, right, you know, they get mad at us. Well, it is the history, and honest people know it. Um, so, it, you know, the, the church needs to step up in that area. I think, frankly, the church needs to step up in a lot of areas. Do you know that most churches, in fact, don't even have a marriage and family ministry? You know that? It's true, unless it's a huge, mega-type church there really isn't a ministry to help minister to, to families, especially young families that need help with parenting and, you know, stable marriages, how to communicate, how to deal with money, you know, how to deal with, you know, anger and, you know, stuff like that. It's not there, right? And yet historically, the black community is very religious. In fact, in our country, and you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I believe I'm right, Historically, the black community was Republican, more conservative than white folk, just saying. Um, and yet the enemy, I think the enemy of our souls, Satan, cleverly, you know, just like uh, the Jews are targeted for extinction uh, because of the Lord. I think the black community, because they've been people of faith by and large, were also exterminated, you know, targeted for extermination as well. Which is wrong, 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 completely evil. But yet, 
our churches, and I've heard Janet Parshall say this for years, our churches are the most segregated place on Sunday morning. You know, there are very few churches in America where there's diversity in the congregation. You either have your black churches, you know, because we stereotype, right? We got the black churches, how they, you know, all the, you know, how black people, you know, worship and stuff, which is cool, right? But you won't see white folk doing that for the most part, okay? And I know because I went to Philadelphia. Uh, um, Family Research Council sent me out there a long time ago, and we met in a black church in Philadelphia. And I was like the white woman in the room. I walked in there. I'm pretty obvious, you know, got big hair, I'm super white. And, you know, everybody's getting down in the Holy Spirit. And I'm like, should I raise my hands here? I'm not really fitting in a whole lot here. I'm kind of sticking out like a sore thumb, you know. <laughs> okay. And I'm not one of the types. I, I have some white folk friends who pretend they're black. And that irritates the crap out of me when people... When somebody, like, you know, this, okay, this is this is a slight pet peeve. When a white folk, like me, or like, not, not, not me, but somebody else who's white, likes to talk to a black person, and they go, hey, girl, you know, oh, my gosh, you're looking so hot and slick. Hey, girl. You know, that crap irritates the crap out of me. <laughs> it's It does. It's like, and I know people who've done it, and it's like, really? Does a black woman come to me and go and say that to me? I mean, seriously. I don't know. It's just stupid, you know? Why can't we just be ourselves and just love one another the way Jesus told us to love one another, you know? Wasn't it Martin Luther King that said that, you know, we should be judged by the content of our character, not by the color of our skin? Doesn't that go all ways, right? Why are people judging everybody because of how they look? None of us had anything to do with our skin color, people. But, you know, depending on the package, you know, at the Spring Hill rally this week, there was a black lady who said a whole bunch of stuff. If I had said it, it would not have gotten the hoot and hollers that she got because of my package. Just saying. Go ahead. Deal with it. <laughs> build a bridge and get over it. Um, I am trying to build a bridge because I'm honest about it. Yeah, but you know, you bring up a good point. Uh, yeah, I, it wouldn't... I always bring up good points. That's why I'm the star of the show. Right? Uh, you tune would... in, Put a one if you tune in for me. Put a two if you tune in for Bareface. Put a three if it doesn't matter to you. <laughs> it would not surprise me yeah. if... Um, Randall's those... twice my shade color. <laughs> Not my choice. I like it. Love is blind. I don't sunburn as easily as you do. Not as melanin challenged as you are. I never knew how but, white I was until I started doing this show. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, um, it would not surprise me if uh, the people who have been historically persecuted, yeah. like not for a season, not for, you know... Um, a decade or two, but, you know, decades and centuries are probably people that took their faith seriously, that yeah. were devoted peoples, and especially, you know, devoted to the maker of heaven and earth, the one true God. That was you me. Know, I just I've, sent you a message. Okay. I suspect that with a little bit of, you know, research, that might turn out to be the case and i wouldn't surprise me if um 
you know, post-slavery in America. And I mean, that was just, uh, I wasn't necessarily, you know, the whole slavery thing where, you know, it was uh, a bad, a bad, uh, you know, commerce sort of thing. I mean, there were, there were Africans selling their own, you know, countrymen into, into slavery, uh, as happens in many places in the world. Anyway, but the, what, what um, came out afterward, you know, after Emancipation Proclamation, all that, persecution, Margaret Sanger, et cetera. Et cetera. Wouldn't surprise me that... Um, you know, you have this because... weird way of talking, like, like, you're trying to enunciate. No, I'm just... Uh, just trying, uh, trying to engage my mouth with my brain. Trying to engage his mouth with his brain. Anyway... Anyway, I, I think think that you <laughs> no, are sorry. picking on me. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, this is what you get. You know, it's like it, we're it a married couple, so it, it would not surprise me if a um, <laughs> you know, essentially revival among you know second generation or third, fourth, whatever blacks, you know, after the Civil War. Uh, a revival happening there led to led to the persecution and racism that followed, especially people claiming to be people of faith. Well, you know, when I think about our brothers and sisters in the black community, right? You know, Harriet Tubman, Martin Luther King, you know, among other people, they were all people of faith. People. Yeah, they were. And God used them in a mighty way. So, declare that you'll be used in a mighty way to stand up against this BS. You know what? Because it is. It's complete BS. You got, you know, when I was in grad school, I had to take a cultural diversity course. I've shared this before. If you're new, you probably haven't heard it. But if you're old, listen to me for a long time, you have. One of the things that I had to do, um, and I actually learned this from a black friend of mine in grad school, okay? First of all, she was a black woman in grad school, okay? She made a point of letting me know that she was really super special because she was black and she was in grad school. And I was like, okay. Yeah, because she was a minority for sure because she was like the only black person in our, in our class. Great. She's brilliant, by the way. She's a psychologist now. But anyway, what I will tell you is that she's the one that educated me about the racism within the black community. She was telling me that because she was darker. She's like, I'm dark, I'm super dark. She said, but light, lighter brown people, there are infights within the black community about race. And I actually looked at her and I was, I'm naive. I'm like, really? And she's like, yep. I go, why? Why is that? She goes, I don't know. I'm like, okay, so those people are stupid. It's kind of like in the in the white community, you know, you probably heard the term white trash, right? Other white people will call white people white trash if they live on welfare or down in the ghetto area or they're on drugs or they're prostitute or whatever. Oh, that's just white trash. Isn't that nice that we treat each other that way? But, you know, here's the thing. You know, 
Dr. Ben Carson, who is in the Trump administration, um, if there's one story, I think, in the history of America that we all need to revisit right now, it's his story. Dr. Ben Carson was raised in poverty by a single mom, and, you know, she taught him to read and encouraged reading and discipline. And what did he do? I think he's one of the greatest Americans in our country, to be honest with you. He's one of the most humble men I've ever met. Um, this is a guy who didn't let his poverty-stricken background sway him from his, um, his goals or the God-given talents that he knew that he had. And, you know, he ended up going to medical school. He, he actually you know, did surgery on conjoined twins, you know, their brain. Now, that's insane, right? Don't you think that's kind of insane? I think it's, a, I think it, I think it's completely crazy. It's amazing, right? You don't know the potential that you have, you know? But because we all are inherently, this is another thing that drives me nuts, Everybody judges, okay? You're a judger, I'm a judger. We all judge. It's part of the human nature, people. We all look at people and we make judgments. Just, I mean, just admit it. You do, because you do. You're judging me right now by what I'm saying. You're like, no, I'm not. Yeah, you are. <laughs> you judge whether or not you want to come back and listen to another episode. You know, you, you judge whether or not this is worthy of being shared. We all judge, okay? There's nothing wrong with with, you know, judging, ju judging itself and, you know, looking and thinking our own thoughts. Where the problem comes is when you condemn. When you condemn somebody for something that's out of their control, like the color of their skin, then you're evil, right? When you're trying to discern good from evil, you know, that's, that's a trait of discernment that we're trying to figure out, right? But you realize the potential that we all have to lift each other up, right? And to say to one another, I believe in you. You know what? I don't believe in you because I'm trying to point out that you're trying to be the best version of yourself. That, that phrase in itself irritates me to no end. Oh, I'm just being the best version of myself today. Oh, yeah, I am. Oh, wait. What the heck does that even mean? Okay, just... That verbiage is stupid. But here's the thing. What we need to do is we need to be the best we can be for Jesus, right? Christ in us is the hope of glory, you guys. Do you not know that this life isn't about you? It's not about me. If we're supposed to be doing what Jesus taught us to do, then that means that we're supposed to love one another as Christ loved the church. And it also means that we're supposed to love our enemies. So the judgment aspect of it is, you know what? Okay, we can look and discern if there's evil and good. And where there is evil, we step in and we make it good, right? By loving one another, right? And you know what I'm going to tell you is love is hard. <laughs> love is difficult. You know, love takes courage when you're doing it right. You know, and, and I was in a networking meeting this week, actually, and it was kind of funny. 
in in one way, but in another way, it was it was like, wow, I can't believe this is kind of happening in a networking meeting. It was in a Christian it was in a Christian networking meeting, and there was a guy in there who's who was who was ruffled. He was I want to talk about this whole thing, and um and and he kept basically saying the laws are in you know the laws are against some of us minorities, and all this other stuff and. And you could have seen the tension in the Christians in the room. It was like, oh, my gosh. And I'm sitting there and I'm like, okay, calm down. It's all right. We're going to be good. It's it's all good. We're brothers and sisters here. Don't, like, get all bent out of shape here. We know that you're upset. Later in the conversation, a whole bunch of stuff happened. And he brought up the story of the Good Samaritan. Okay? If you've read that story recently then you know that two religious folk walked on by and they completely ignored the plight of the guy that had been beaten up and left to left to die. And it wasn't until the Samaritan, who was the enemy culturally of that Jewish person, actually came up and did the tough thing. You know, he got him up, he took him to a place to rest, he paid the bill for the hotel where he left the guy at, and then when he went back on his trip, he came back and he talked to the innkeeper and he said, do I owe you anything else for this person? Now that is tough love, right? That is hard love. That is real love. When you're willing to sacrifice for a stranger or even your enemy. And in Romans chapter 5, I believe it says that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. While we, while we were enemies of him... Jesus died for us. So how much more so if we're going to walk out real love than we actually do the hard stuff? But see, the church in America, by and large, is led by fluffy, chestless men with curly hair who believe in your so-called best life now. Well, let me just tell you something. If you want to live a real best life, then be extraordinary and do exactly the opposite of what most people fluffy-haired preachers will tell you to do because they don't give a crap about the Bible and the hard stuff in the Bible. The The prophets of old, you know, they died and they spoke out against the culture and the religious folk of the day to their, to their death, most of them, right? Many of them went to jail. Some of them were murdered for what they stood for. Being a Christian is not easy. You know, it isn't easy and unfortunately, in America, I think there's going to be a big, huge awakening uh, when the sword comes because a lot of people are going to be thinking that they're real believers until their faith is tested with the choice of their life or not. You know, so would you do, do you care? Like, let's say for sake of argument, you're in church and you actually have somebody of a different skin color in the same church as you. Do you think you would think for a second if somebody came in and started shooting the church that you would wonder if you'd jump in front of somebody and try to protect them? Do you, do you think you'd go, oh man, that person's an Indian or oh God, that person's white or black? I don't think so. Survival of the fittest says you, you jump and you protect whoever you can because that's just innate. Most people aren't, aren't choosing to die. We have this innate thing in us to live. You know, I mean, think about it. You're driving in a car. 
and you're messing on your phone. Next thing you know, you're looking and you're almost about ready to hit the car. What do you do? You slam your foot on the brakes so that you stop. You don't like, oh, okay, oh well, and smash into the car. No, your innate survival instinct kicks in to make you stop. And that's how it should be. You know, I just saw a video. This is a little bit of a tangent, but I just saw this video and I wish I could find it. Um, it was of a Jewish guy. I don't even know if he was Jewish, to be honest. But this guy, he, during the Nazi con concentration camp era, he actually saved like 650 children from the gas chamber by taking them and hiding them. And um, I guess a couple years ago, his daughter or somebody ended up finding this notebook in the attic. And in the notebook, it listed the names of all these people that he had saved. So she went she found all these people and took him to a TV station where he was in an audience surrounded by all these kids who are all now adults that he saved. And, and anyway, they honored this guy and, and he was, I mean, he was in, he was in tears crying because he actually, his one action, his, his courage saved all these people. And if you imagine the people that he saved, who they became as a result of somebody stepping in and doing something completely uncomfortable. I mean, I'm sure it wasn't easy to do what he did. You know what I mean? So just like what Harriet Tubman did, do you think with the Underground Railroad what she did was easy? No, especially if you understand her and what she went through. I mean, she was hit in the head, had some brain damage going on at some point, uh, brutalized by her slave owner, and yet she was willing to escape and, you know, free, you know, get, get all those people free while some people would have looked at her and thought, you gotta be kidding me. You're just a worthless piece of crap. You know, you can't do anything. And you know what? That's a lie of the devil because God created each one of us with a purpose. And the main purpose is to live and worship him. And through us, he calls us to do great things. And I shared this before and, and I'll end, I'll end the show with this because I just want you to think about it. In John chapter 15, we read about abiding in Christ. And the Bible talks about how God prunes the tree, right? The trees, you know, um, he is the vine. We are the branches. And he prunes off those things that don't produce fruit. But look at the tree first. How did the tree come to be in the first place? It came to be because there was a seed. And God created seed before he created anything else. Even, you know, I mean, I think personally that he probably created grown trees in the beginning. But the point is, in order to plant another tree, you have a seed, right? So... An apple seed, just as an example, is a little seed. I mean, it's really little. It's not that big. But God formulated that seed knowing the end from the beginning when he made that seed. True story. Because he knew what that seed would grow into. He knew that it would grow into a big tree. Eventually, it would have branches and leaves all over it. And eventually, that apple tree would bear apples so that the apples could be given to other people and be, and be out there, right? It would bear a lot of fruit. We don't bear fruit for us. We bear fruit for other people. 
we bear fruit to give away so that it multiplies and that what we do for God matters. It goes much farther than you might expect, right? How we love somebody, like I always talk about my mom because my mom was probably my best teacher of both. Well, she was my best teacher of what was wrong to do in the world, <laughs> which sounds awful, right? I mean, that sounds awful, but it's the truth. My mom, if there was a playbook or a, a parental book for motherhood, my mom would have done exactly everything opposite of what should have been done. But at the end of her life, she became a Christian. And I told her on her deathbed that I would share with her, I, that I told her that I would share with the world how she came to know the Lord at the end of her life. Believing and knowing that that testimony would encourage people's lives. And I didn't know at the time, 18 years ago, that social media was going to be around. I didn't know live streaming was going to be around. I had no idea how I would tell that story. But God knew the end from the beginning. And I knew in my heart then that when I forgave my mom for all this stuff she did to me, that that forgiveness is what caused her to come to the Lord. Because she knew what she did. And she knew, she she just knew. She knew what she did was evil. She knew what she did was wrong. Um, but I forgave her. And it's no different with how Jesus forgives us when we come to him and ask him to. And so, you know, the Christian faith is about reconciliation. You know, God has given Christians a ministry of reconciliation. And our our goal is to reconcile with people everywhere. Now I know there's a couple of you in this audience who are going, oh really? I tried to reconcile with you and you're not doing anything. Blah, blah, blah. Well, part of reconciliation doesn't mean trust if somebody keeps betraying to you and lying to you uh, and not repenting of it. Um, that's not reconciliation That because you, cause you're not repentant. So how do you reconcile with somebody who isn't repentant? You can't. So, so you would have to repent of what you did and stop lying. But that is what our ministry is. Jesus came so that he could reconcile us to himself so that we could have eternal life and share the good news with other people. So if we're ever going to cure racism in the world, it's going to be God's way or no way. And my guess is that until the church decides it wants to like be full on reconciled, even on a Sunday morning, where there's no prejudice or anything, um, it's not going to happen. I hope it does, though. You know, I find it interesting in John 17 that Jesus prayed his high priestly prayer. His The core of that prayer was that he wanted unity within the church. So I guess that's just something to think about. So I'm going to see if there's any comments from anybody. And... Um, um, I guess there's not over there. I don't see if there's anything over there. Bareface, do you want to um, give any comments to anybody? Should I read this UFO story? Um, do you guys want yeah. me to read the UFO story? There's like it's just one other thing. I, we can go over if you want. I don't care. Oh, uh, cool. Jill on Twitch is asking, can I ask questions? So sure. So that'd be a, an affirmative. I don't know. It doesn't have timestamps on this, so I don't know how long ago it was. Oh. You know, I'm going back and forth between 
the different platforms, and so I don't see anything happen for a long time, and I go elsewhere. So, you want any weigh in on any thoughts? Well, I, of course, I wholeheartedly agree with everything that you said. You do? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah. I got that verbally, people. Yeah, I did. Do you know how unlikely that is that he would agree with everything I said? Um, everything that I remember. Um, yeah, it comes down to, yeah, the thing that to characterize believers is is love, and not not love in a touchy feely, um, you know, uh, anything goes kind of way, but in in a disciplined one of decision. And the examples were given of love and, you know, the Messiah himself and God himself. I mean, he loves us enough not to leave us as we are. Okay, so I don't know if any of you on Periscope said anything because it looks like we froze. Mm. And I see Phyllis over on Facebook, but I don't know who else is there. I see no comments on Facebook, but yeah, I see that there are people watching. Yep. All right. And it doesn't look like anybody cares about the UFO story, so, so we're not going to worry about sneeze. it. Okay. I didn't, have, didn't even have time to take myself off screen, but anyway, um, nothing going on from Cool Jail, so I'm guessing they're not there anymore. Where does it show me how? Okay, yeah, I probably left. Oh. Sorry, we missed you. If you're catching the replay to see what's going on, We're, we weren't trying to be rude. I wasn't trying to be rude. I just didn't see your question until later. Yeah, it's hard. All right. Well, tomorrow night, Bareface, what are you doing tomorrow night on the show? Very good question. Do we know people? I mean, I'm, you know, just top, top of my head, you know, I'm tempted to talk about Jonah since we. Read the book. Read that. Um, there's Jonah's, a lot to it. I love Jonah. Jonah's one of my favorite books in the Bible. I mean, we've talked about it. We've visited it before mm -hmm. on this channel, but I don't know. I love the book of Jonah is hilarious. But um, uh, because Jonah was a temperamental prophet. Ooh, ooh. Yeah, he was. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, in with that then said. Thank you guys for tuning in. I hope that something we said meant something to you. Um, and uh, we'll see you tomorrow night, Lord willing, at 7 o'clock Central Time. Remember, be bold, people. Stand up and go with God because he loves you. And you can be that love to other people. So go for it. We'll see you tomorrow.